anybody else excited but me? I'm just kind of excited today. Amen. I get a little too excited maybe. Uh, not. All right. Uh, open your Bibles this morning. Got your Bibles? Open your Bibles to the book of Exodus. You thought I was going to say Mark today. We're not in Mark today. Lord willing, we'll be back in Mark next week, and we're going to be getting into some interesting things for this particular time that we're living in, and um, uh, starting here in Mark's gospel, we're, we're getting into the 13th chapter of Mark, which the 13th chapter of Mark is parallel with the 24th chapter of Matthew and with the 21st chapter of Luke which deals with the signs of the coming of the Lord. I can't think of any more appropriate time than to be studying those portions of Scripture than the day which we're living in today because we are in those times. Uh, The time of of the rapture, of the soon come of the Lord Jesus, coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. But today... For our communion service, I'm going to be speaking from Exodus chapter 12. If you want to turn there with me this morning. And I'm going to read um, just a couple of verses of Scripture, verse, beginning with verse number 3, okay? Exodus chapter 12. I'm going to share a few thoughts with you to focus our, to focus our minds on, um, on the uh, matter at hand today, before we, take, uh, before we take communion, the Bible tells us that when we partake of the Lord's Supper, that we are to do it in remembrance of Him, of Jesus, and what He did for us at the cross of Calvary. There's no saving power in what we're going to do. There's no saving power in the wafer or the juice. But there is, there is definitely saving power and delivering power in what this juice and wafer, wafer represents today. So we want to rightly discern what communion is, is all about. So I'm going I'm I'm to preach a little short message from Exodus Chapter 12, beginning with verse 3. And it says this, Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, Let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. Verse 5, your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year, and you shall take it from the sheep or from the goats. I want you to notice in this text that uh, he speaks of a lamb, He speaks of the lamb, and he speaks of your lamb. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. A lamb, the lamb, 
and your lamb. Father, thank you for your word today. I pray for your anointing and your blessing today upon this message, upon the preaching and teaching of your word. Open our hearts to receive what you have for us today. Help us to be mindful of this moment and what you have done for us at Calvary and to be recipients of the benefits and the blessings that you've provided through the cross of Jesus Christ. We give you praise in Jesus' name for that. And everybody said amen. Amen. There is a scarlet thread that runs through all the pages of the Bible, and that scarlet thread is the blood of Jesus Christ. Someone said that you can cut this book anywhere and it will bleed because it is alive, and it speaks of the blood of Jesus. The Old Testament, I know there's been some some in these days that we live in that have said that the Old Testament is not necessary, but... In the Old Testament, we have Jesus concealed, and in the New Testament, we have Jesus revealed. He is contained. Jesus is contained in the Old Testament, and Jesus is explained in the New Testament. He's pictured in the Old Testament, and he's presented in the New Testament. And in every book of the Bible, beginning in Genesis through the end to Revelation, you can find the Lord Jesus Christ in every single book of the Bible because the Bible is the story of man's redemption. It commences, and that story of redemption commences in the book of Genesis, and it concludes in the book of Revelation, and it's astounding when you read the book of Revelation even you know how many times it refers to the lamb and it's pointing to the fact that everything everything that we have everything that we will have is all wrapped up and tied up in the lamb in the lamb of God amen there is no greater picture of the story of redemption than the lamb that was sacrificed for mankind and for man's sins and as I said in the text that I read to you this morning And from Exodus chapter 12, we find uh, a lamb, mentioning of a lamb, and then the lamb in verse 4, and your lamb in verse 5. And in these three verses, we see a beautiful picture of our redemption and what Jesus Christ has done for us. Because when it speaks of a lamb, a lamb here pictures, he is a lamb that pictures salvation. Uh, He speaks here in verse number three. The Lord says to Moses, speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying on the 10th of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. Moses has been given specific instructions that every household, and you know, you know the story here. I don't want to go into all of that, but we know the situation that Israel was in. For a number of years, they had been in bondage to Egypt, to the Egyptians, and they were in slavery to the Egyptians. They were held there and couldn't free themselves. And Moses had went before Pharaoh on several occasions and said, let my people go, but Pharaoh had refused to do so. There was one plague after another plague after another plague, and Pharaoh would promise to let the people go, but then he would back out on it after God 
God would remove the plague and he would refuse to let the people go. And this is the final plague. God has said one more, I'm gonna move one more time and after this, he will, Pharaoh will let the people go. And so Moses is given specific instructions by the Lord that every household was to take a lamb And not just any lamb, but it was to be a certain type of lamb. They were to take this lamb, and the Bible says that it was to be a lamb that was a male, and that was of the first year, in other words, a young lamb, and it was to be, this lamb was to be without blemish. That is so important. It was was to be a lamb that was a spotless lamb. It was to be a lamb that was a perfect lamb. This lamb could not have any, any, um, any scars, any scabs, any sickness. Nothing could be wrong with this lamb. It was a lamb that had to be taken out of the flock, from the flock, without blemish because this lamb on this Passover night, the night of the first Passover was to be a picture of God's lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. And it was through this lamb, it was through this lamb, and it's amazing to note that, that what was there, nine plagues, nine miracles that God sent upon Egypt, and not one of those miracles, not one of those plagues was, was um, sufficient to, not saying that God's not sufficient, but not, not a one of those miracles defeated the powers of Pharaoh and liberated the children of Israel, but it took the blood of the lamb to set them free and to deliver them. And it was a lamb that was without blemish. It was a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 18 and 19, he said this, he said, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a what? A lamb without blemish and without spot. The writer of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 7 says this concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. He says that Jesus was holy and harmless undefiled and separate from sinners. So we see then that Jesus was and is the sinless Lamb of God. Jesus was holy and sinless in eternity past. Jesus was holy and sinless through his 33 and a half years on this earth in his life. And Jesus remains holy and sinless still yet today at the right hand of Almighty God. Amen. Peter said in 1 Peter 1.22 that Jesus did no sin. John said in 1 John 3 and 5 that in him is no sin. So that's such an important thing that we have to understand today that Jesus, the Son of God, the Lamb of God, was the sinless, spotless, virgin-born, pure, perfect Lamb of God, which makes him the perfect Redeemer and the perfect Savior. Can I get an amen today? 
So Moses, he instructed them there in verse 6, and he said, you'll take this lamb and keep this lamb up until the 14th day of that same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill this lamb at twilight, or between the two evenings, actually, which was about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. But it's interesting to note that Moses had received instruction and gave instruction to Israel uh, in verse 3 there that on the 10th day of the month is the day they were to take the lamb and they were to put the lamb up until, until 3 in the afternoon on the 14th day. So for three and a half days, and this I think is kind of significant, amen, for three and a half days, this lamb was to be carefully examined. It was to be scrutinized. They would look for any sign of sickness. They would, they would look for any sign of, of a scratch or a defect or a scab or a scar that might be on that lamb. And if there was anything that was wrong at all with that lamb after it was examined for three and a half days then it would it would be rejected they had to have the perfect lamb and I think that's interesting because it was for three and a half years that Jesus Christ was placed on public display for three and a half years of his ministry he was examined by the world and he was examined by the religious leaders we've been studying in Mark um, just in the last week the passion week of Christ how that they came to him uh, the Herodians came to him the Pharisees came to him the Sadducees they were questioning him they were examining him they were scrutinizing him they spent all their time they must have been Democrats they spent all their time spent all their time trying to find something wrong with the Lord Jesus Christ but they couldn't find anything wrong he was examined minutely by all of these religious leaders and by the world and when three and a half years was complete he stood before Pontius Pilate and Pilate spoke the words that declared that he was the qualified lamb of God when Pilate said after careful examination I find in him no fault at all he is the perfect lamb of God hallelujah I mean even the demons even the demons said when they confronted Christ or when Christ confronted them the demons knew who he was and the demons spoke and said we know you who you are the holy one of God they even recognized his purity and who he was and his holiness so Jesus was fully qualified to be the Lamb of God that would take away the sin of the world. He was the holy dying for the unholy when he went to that cross. Amen. He was the guiltless dying for the guilty. I was the one that was unholy and I was the one that was unclean and I was the one that was guilty and I couldn't save myself and neither could you but the Holy One, the Pure One, the Spotless One stepped in and said, I will take His place and die in His stead. Hallelujah. If He would have had one spot, 
If he would have had one blemish in his life, he could not been and would not have been acceptable to be the sacrifice for the sin of the world. Can I get an amen? He is the Lamb of God without spot and with, without blemish, which, which makes Jesus Christ and Him alone to be the only qualified Lamb to, to die and to pay the price for the sin of humanity. The Lamb was to be spotless. The Lamb was to be clean which qualified him, but the lamb not only was to be spotless, the lamb was to be sacrificed. Moses' instructions to Israel was that the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall take this lamb, examine it for three and a half days, and then on the 14th day, the whole assembly of the congregation shall kill it in the evening. So the lamb had to die. And the blood of the lamb had to be shed. They couldn't just tie the lamb up outside their house and leave it outside their house to guard their house from the death angel and from the judgment that was to come. But the lamb had to die. Is anybody with me today? In Exodus 12 and 7, the blood was shed and it said, this was the instructions, and you all know this story, but we need to be reminded of these things. They were instructed by Moses, said they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the house where they shall eat the lamb. They were to kill the lamb, drain the blood of the lamb into a basin, And then they were to roast the lamb with fire. They were to go inside their house and they were to have a meal with uh, of roasted lamb and bitter herbs and they were to eat all of the lamb, not just part of the lamb, all of the lamb, meaning that we've got to partake of all of Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. But they had to take the blood. Now, the blood was drained into a basin. So it was not enough just for the lamb to be killed and not enough just for the blood to be shed, but something had to be done with the blood. The blood had to be applied. And so Hebrews says that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Now, there's a lot of bloodless religion today, and there's a lot of crossless religion today, amen, that, that preach a Jesus separated from the cross, that preach a Christ that is not crucified or that is separated from the cross or the shedding of blood. And there's a lot of churches today that don't want to hear anything about the blood. They don't want to hear anything about the cross. They don't want to hear anything about sacrifice or crucifixion. But I'm telling you today, ladies and gentlemen, that the only way that you and I can be saved is that the Lamb of God had to die and he had to shed his blood. Amen? And Jesus was that Lamb. And John saw him one day walking by the Jordan River and he pointed him out and he said behold the Lamb of God which takes away 
hallelujah to the Lamb. And without that shedding of blood, there is no remission, no remission for sin. Remission, what does that mean? Remission means pardon. The Greek word means pardon. The Greek word for remission means a release from bondage, a release from imprisonment. It means a letting go as if, it means to let go. When it talks about the remission of our sins, it means that our sins are, are taken away and removed as if they had never been committed. Is anybody with me today? I'm going to tell you that's the power of the blood of Jesus Christ because he does not remember, God does not remember what I was or what I used to be or the sins of my past because all my sins have been washed away and remitted and taken out of the way by the precious blood of the Lamb of Almighty God, the blood of Jesus has made me free, amen? What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. There had to be a placement of the blood, an application of the blood. The blood of that spotless lamb was placed in that basin and some hyssop was taken and dipped into the blood. God, by God's instruction, the blood was sprinkled on the side post and across the top forming a... Oh, hallelujah. Oh, come on, somebody. I'm telling you, if you can't see Jesus in that, hallelujah to the Lamb. It was the Lamb that promised salvation. He said, you will take a lamb. But notice in verse number four, if the household is too small for the Lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of persons, according to each man's need. You shall make, you shall make your count for the lamb. So a lamb becomes the lamb. A specific lamb. Amen? And the blood is applied to the doorposts of their house. They're to go inside. And, and, and listen, saints, from the very first record, and as I said at the beginning of this, of this message, that from the book of Genesis, the Bible tells us the story of man's redemption. And Jesus is in every book in that Bible. Amen. And so from the very first record of the sacrifice, actually the very first record was when Adam and Eve were trying to clothe themselves with fig leaves of their own righteousness, God clothed them with the skins of an animal. Well, where did he get the skins of an animal? He had to shed some blood. There had to be the death of an innocent victim to clothe their nakedness that they were standing there 
there naked to the judgment of God. So an innocent animal died and God clothed them. But then we find in the fourth chapter of Genesis, from that record there where Abel offered a sacrifice of a lamb upon the altar, Cain's offering rejected because he brought the fruit of the ground. He brought his own works, the works of his hands. He, he, he offered a bloodless offering and God rejected that offering. It had to be an innocent, spotless lamb. And Abel's offering was accepted and was received. And from that first record there in Genesis, we see many lambs sacrificed throughout the scriptures. Untold numbers of lambs throughout the Old Testament were offered as sacrifices for the atonement of man's sin. And each one of those lambs that died, each one of them that was slain was a picture of the lamb, the foremost lamb, the lamb that would come to take away the sin of the world. Jesus Christ is not just a lamb. Ladies and gentlemen, he is the lamb, the foremost, only lamb that can take away the sin of the world. Amen? He was the foremost lamb, but not only the foremost lamb, he was and is the final lamb. Millions of lambs were slaughtered in the Old Testament. We don't have to do that anymore. Amen? Aren't you glad for that? But millions were, were slaughtered. But when Jesus died on Calvary, there would never be the need for another lamb to die because Jesus was the final lamb. When Jesus died on the cross, Jesus made the Passover ceremony nothing more than a historic event because he was the final lamb. Jesus turned the last Passover. Remember when he celebrated Passover with his disciples there in that upper room? And Jesus turned that last Passover meal into the first communion service. Amen. Didn't he do that? Didn't he do that? When he gave them the bread and said, take and eat this, oh hallelujah, this is my body which is, which is given for you. And he gave them the cup and he said, drink of this cup. This is the New Testament in my blood that is shed for you. So he takes the juice and he takes the, 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 the lamb and the bread and he turns that, that Passover meal into the first communion service. So when he knew he was going to die and this Passover was not going to be needed anymore, amen? He was the final lamb. All, all the priests, you can put up your basins. All the priests can hang up your utensils. All the priests can lay aside your priestly robes and find yourselves a new job because the last lamb has went to Calvary and laid down on the altar and the last lamb has shed his blood for the sins of the whole world. No other lamb needs to die. No other offering needs to be made. There's only one, and his name is Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. Oh, praise God. My Lord, I don't know if anybody's happy today but me, but I am. 
Hebrews 10, 11, 12, he says, And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices that can never take away sins. But this man, I like that. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of Almighty God. I've told you this before, you know, all the furnishings that were in the, in the tabernacle and in the temple, there was one thing that was not there. There was not a chair. There was no place for the priest to sit down. Why? Because his job was never done. He would offer a sacrifice, but it had to be done again every day and then once a year on the Day of Atonement. But when this man, when Jesus Christ, when the Lamb, when the Lamb offered his sacrifice, on the cross he ascended to heaven and sat down on the right hand of God waiting for his enemies to be made his footstool and all sin was paid for at the cross when he died for us a lamb becomes the lamb but then it gets personal and here's what we want to focus in on a lamb becomes the lamb but then in verse 5 the lamb finally becomes your lamb see verse 5 your lamb he said then shall be without blemish a male of the first year to every one of those Israelites that sprinkled or applied that blood to the doorpost of their house that night the lamb became your lamb. It was a personal lamb for every household. And I don't know about you guys. I think I'm talking to some people that can relate to this today. But if you are saved today, and I'm glad that I can say this this morning, I'm so glad that I can say that Jesus is not just a lamb to me, he is more than the lamb to me. Hallelujah, he is all that. But I'm glad to be able to say today that one day I went to, a, to an altar and I got on my knees and I called on his name and that precious blood that was shed at Calvary was applied, was applied to the heart, to the doorpost of my heart and to my life. And that blood, when it was applied, he didn't just, he was more than just the lamb or a lamb he became my lamb amen he is my lamb today are you listening to me the instructions were to kill the lamb in the evening and the procedure for and here's why I'm saying he's my lamb the procedure for killing the lamb was this the offerer was to take the lamb and then he was to take the lamb and place his hands, laying, that's one of the doctrines of the Bible, is laying on of hands. And he was to lay his hands on the head of the lamb. And what was he doing by doing that? By laying his hands on the head of that lamb, symbolically, he was putting his sin, transferring his sin to that innocent lamb. That's the same thing that Jesus did for us. How many of y'all know that when Jesus went to the cross, Jesus went 
went there as your substitute and my substitute and he went there and took your sin upon himself. We've already established the fact that Jesus had no sin of his own but that's what made him the perfect substitute but when he went to the cross he who knew no sin became a sin offering for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. When Jesus went to Calvary as our substitute he took he became what you were he took your sins he bore your iniquities on the cross he was wounded listen to me saints he was wounded for your transgressions he was bruised for your iniquities the chastisement of your peace was upon him and with his wounds you are healed today he took your sin to pay the supreme sacrifice for you and so the hands were laid upon that offering by the offerer and he was symbolically transferring his sin to that innocent lamb but the offerer also when the hands were laid upon that lamb the offerer was also symbolically taking to himself the virtues of that lamb the innocence of that lamb oh hallelujah see the lamb was what without spot without blemish the lamb took the sin of the offerer and the offerer was taking the innocence of the lamb there ain't nobody here helping me today glad today to know that the day that I was saved and the day that I placed my faith in Jesus Christ and his finished work at Calvary that Jesus took my sin away oh there's an old song we used to sing brother Derby would remember it I came to Jesus weary worn and sad he took my sin away he took my sin away and now his love has made my heart so glad I wish I could sing he took my sin away he took my sin away he took my sin away and keeps me singing every day I'm so glad he took my sin away he took my sin away is anybody else glad that he took your sin away See, not only did he take my sin away, which I'm glad that he did, but there was another transference that took place too that was, even went farther than just the forgiveness and taking away of the sin. He transferred to me his righteousness and his innocence and now because of the blood of Jesus my faith being in his finished work I can stand in the presence of God made clean and pure hallelujah as if see that's what justified means means just as if I'd never sinned hallelujah he's looking at the blood I'm in Christ and have been made acceptable in the beloved because he's my lamb. He's your lamb. He's our lamb. Is he your personal lamb today? Amen? So, the lamb took the sin. Jesus took my sin. He's declared me not guilty in the courts of heaven. Somebody said, well, I don't know about that. Well, you better hope you know about that. You better pray to God that's the case. 
Is you ain't going to stand before God and be pleading your righteousness. If you are, there's a problem there. Because that's all is filthy rags. When you're standing before the Lord, I'm not pleading. I'm pleading his blood. I've already pled guilty. He's given us the free gift of his righteousness. He died as our substitute. So a lamb became the lamb who personally became your lamb when you accepted him as your savior. He died so you could live. He suffered so that you could spend eternity in heaven. And everything that was poured out on Jesus at the cross, he did it for us. We deserved it. But that's what we remember as we receive communion this morning. Somebody said, are you sure all that what you've said coincides with Christ? Is it a picture of Christ? And listen... The Apostle Paul laid that argument to rest and proved it in 1 Corinthians 5, 7 when he said, For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. He's your lamb. He was sacrificed for you. I read a story about a manger scene that was in Westminster Abbey. Won't be long, we'll be seeing manger scenes again. There was a manger scene in Westminster Abbey, and in that manger scene, as all manger scenes, there were models there. There There was the baby, the Christ child. There was Joseph and Mary and the shepherds and the wise men. They had the models of the animals there. And in that group of animals, there was a little toy lamb that was among the animals. And there was a mother and a a mom and her little boy that came by and was standing there looking at that manger scene. And this little boy must have had a little toy lamb like that. It was one of our grandkids had a lamb. It might have been Jack when he was little. Michaela. Yeah, it was, and uh, that was a long time ago. And it was a little lamb, and its name was Lammy, and she carried that little lamb, Lammy, everywhere, slept with it, it went with her everywhere. And so this little boy must have had a little Lammy that was like the one that was in that manger scene. And when he looked at that and saw the lamb, he looked up at his mom, and he said, Mommy, is that my lamb? And you know what? I can answer that question today. If you have been to Calvary and if you have accepted Christ, the answer to that is yes. He is your lamb. He's not just the lamb, but he is personally your lamb, your savior, your redeemer. And I'm glad that he is today. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. Amen. Are you glad that he's your lamb? See, if you're here today and and you've never made Jesus Christ your personal Savior, if he's not become your own personal lamb, then you need to 
take care of that situation this morning. And there's a lot of people that say, and maybe there's someone here today that say, well, I believe, yeah, I believe he's, he's a Savior. I believe he is the Savior. But the question is, is he your Savior? Have you made him your Savior? Amen. And you know what? It's as simple as ABC. ABC. To admit that you're a sinner. Admit that there's no way you can be saved, no way you can save yourself, and then be to believe that Jesus Christ was the Lamb who died on the cross for you, amen? To believe that He wants to save you and He died to save you, and then C is to confess Him as your Lord, to call upon the name of the Lord, and whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Isn't that what the Bible said? If you will confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Worship team, would you come? Everybody bow your heads with me this morning. Before we have communion, while the worship team's coming, I want us to think about what we're getting ready to do here. And I just gave an invitation and gave you the ABCs of salvation. And I don't know your hearts today. I don't know the hearts of those who are here this service today. If you, you know, I'm, I'm trusting that everyone is a Christian, that everyone's saved, that everyone knows Jesus. But I want to give that opportunity for anyone here who may not have made Jesus your personal lamb to accept him as Lord and Savior of your life today. To ask Jesus to come into your heart, to just admit to him, Lord, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior and I can't save myself. I've messed up, Lord, and I ask you to forgive me. And then to put your faith in him and to believe that He is the Lamb of God that died to take away the sin of the world. To believe that He died and rose from the dead for you and to tell Him that. And then to say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I confess you as my Lord and my Savior today. That's how simple it is. And I just want to give you that opportunity to do that today. And it's, it's the perfect opportunity right now for every one of us to examine ourselves and that's exactly what Paul said for us to do before we partake of the Lord's Supper is to examine ourselves to make sure everything's right and it just takes a moment to do that it's a little bit of heart searching right now where we say Lord look into my heart is there anything that's displeasing to you if there is forgive me and cleanse me in your precious blood. Amen. That's how simple it is. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Heavenly Father, touch our hearts today. Lord, examine us today. Search us today. If there's anything in our hearts, that, that anything at all that's displeasing to you, show us what it is and we ask for your forgiveness this morning and your cleansing in the name of Jesus.
Hallelujah. We thank you for the precious blood of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for what you've done for us on the cross of Calvary, that you are my lamb today. You're my Savior. You're my Redeemer. Amen. Praise God. I want you to stand with me this morning.